0: To be with you today again and just to experience the Lord's presence like we have this morning. It's just so special. Domingo Joy, where's Domingo? He's not there. But you guys just have such a special place in all of our hearts. And uh, we just love having you back with us. Really do. Very special to us. I spoke on revival a couple of weeks ago, and um, the Lord just won't give up on me on this particular, particular subject, and um, the topic or the title this morning on revival is, Moving Myself Closer Towards God's Desires in My Life, Moving Myself Closer Towards God's Desires in My Life. James 4 verse 8, could we have that up please? says, draw close to God and He will draw close to you. What a promise. There's an open invitation for each one of us today to draw close to Him. And we're going to have a time at the end again of, of worshiping and bringing ourselves and, and drawing close to Him. Just want to encourage you to allow Him to, to draw close. Allow him to draw close to you this morning. I've prayed for revival for for many years, having traveled with a tent across the country and um, different countries. And uh, I've longed for revival for many years. When I arrived in Mossel Bay, I asked the Lord, why have you brought me to Mossel Bay? I thought I was going to Portugal, then I thought I was going to Bay. then we thought we were going to George, and we ended up in Mossel Bay, saying, wonderful, Lord, why did you bring me here? The Holy Spirit said a few things to me um, about why he brought us to to Mossel Bay, and we've just seen his hand working in our lives and through us since we've been here. But one thing I want to share with you today that I felt the Lord say to me, I want you to walk in revival. I want you to teach, and I want to teach you to move closer to my desires for your life. And so I want to just share from my heart today some of the things that I felt God talking to me about and how I can realign myself to, to his desires for my life. And not so much my desires, as Greg was speaking about earlier. It's not so much my desires in life, but it's his desires that are important. Now, if I am saying, say, just find my desire for your heart, and you'll begin to walk in the fullness of what I have for you. The last time I spoke on revival, the the topic was thinking God's thoughts and living in the abundant life he has promised. And I read this particular definition of the word revival. Someone said this. Revival means making alive again those who have been alive but have fallen into what is called a cold or dead state. Pause for a minute and think. Think. Think of some friends, think of some of your family that perhaps are living in this state. Think of some of the churches in Mossel Bay, Garden Root area. Fallen into what is called a cold or dead state. They are Christians and have life, but they need reviving to bring them back to their first love and healthy growth of the spiritual life, to which conversion was meant to be. We were meant to, as I spoke on last time, we were meant to, I believe, live in a state of revival every day of our lives, just knowing God, knowing his presence, moving in his power as we see in the book of Acts. So I asked God how to show me. How could, how could I and the church become more, more effective for him? He then began to, to show me and, and, and teach me some things. I, I sat down one day and I wrote the word revival, R-E-V-R-V-A-L. And I said, Lord, teach me your heart. This can't just be a word. We've got to live in it. We, I want to live there. I want, to, I want this to be my address. And so I began to to write as he began to to speak to my heart. And we've only got time to look at the two today, which is R and E of the first letters of revival. So I want to just talk on those two points today. R, as I looked at this letter, I just felt felt him say to me, Are you really passionate about me? Are you really passionate about Jesus? It's quite a challenge. Psalm 69 verse 9 says, For zeal of your house has consumed me. What is the psalmist saying? Zeal for your house has consumed me. He's saying passion for your church has eaten me up. Wow. Passion for your church has eaten me up. I wonder if passion for Jesus and passion for his church has eaten us up. God wants us to be really ablaze, really ablaze for Jesus. Are we on fire for Jesus? We say people that are are fixated on something, um, like Frank with his tennis. Some are like Ari are fixated on golf, like Sean on fishing, on Greg on numbers. <laughs> <laughs> but we say that people who are, are, are fixated, someone, someone, rugby. Hello, still there. Um, we say they eat and sleep tennis, rugby, numbers, golf cricket, whatever it is. They eat and sleep. They're so fixated. Do we eat and sleep, church? Do we eat and sleep Jesus? Do we eat and sleep his word dwelling richly within us? Do we eat and sleep just spending time in his presence, knowing him, loving him, reflecting, reflecting him to the world? Out there. Acts chapter 18, verse 25. Talking about Apollos. Says this. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and he spoke with great fervor and taught about Jesus accurately, though he knew only the baptism of John. He spoke with great fervor and taught about Jesus accurately. Something we can learn from Apollos. Apollos was fervent in spirit. He was ablaze for Jesus. He was on fire for Jesus. He was burning in his spirit. He was glowing in his spirit. He had been discipled well. He spoke dynamically about Jesus, he taught about Jesus accurately. He knew scripture. He was teachable. He only knew, as we read, he only knew of the water baptism. He had not yet heard of being filled with the Holy Spirit. So Aquila and Priscilla took him aside. And they taught him about being filled of the Holy Spirit. The baptism of the Holy Spirit. So he was a teachable man. Acts 18.28 says... For he powerfully refuted the Jews in public, demonstrating by the scriptures that Jesus was the Christ. He was bold, spoke truth, spoke straight into their hearts, and God used him. Jesus is calling us to this level of commitment. If we're going to see a revival, which I believe we are. We're going to live there. Daily, we need to move closer to God's desires. We need to, to open up our lives and be, be committed to his purposes in every aspect of our, of our lives. Jesus is calling us to this level of commitment. Worldly events are changing so fast. We look at the TV and th- things are just happening out there. So fast today. I believe the day is not only coming but, but is upon us where we, we have to make clear a clear and a strong statement for Jesus. We cannot be wishy-washy about our faith. God is looking for people who are committed that will speak Jesus in, in love and in truth. To declare him in every situation of our lives. As the world becomes darker, we must shine brighter. Is the world becoming dark? It looks like it. We must shine brighter. As the world's edges become more blurred, we must become more clear. That the world will see we stand for Jesus. We stand for truth. As the world loses its its moral compass, so we must become more like Christ and give direction to a lost world. As the world falls deeper and deeper into sinful decay, so we must arise and raise our flags and make a stand for Christ's truth. But to do this... We must be set aflame. To do this, God needs to fill us with his spirit, pour out his spirit within us so that we become a blaze for him, shining brightly for him. It's a work of the spirit in our lives. So how do we become a blaze or on fire for Jesus? By fully surrendering our hearts and our minds to him this is what I felt God calling me to so I wrote down and just listened to him says Trevor you need to become fully surrendered to me in heart and in mind God changes the heart first he changes our hearts and then he calls us to renew our minds so we need to move whatever truth he's speaking to us that's 30 centimeters or whatever it is, we need to move that truth into our minds and start living in the purposes of God, living in the things that he's called us to, areas he wants us to change. Will we, will we surrender all to him as we've sung, or sung about today? Love it to sing songs, but to actually lay down your life is another story. will not you ask God to show you how you can seek him more and more, deeper and deeper in your walk with God? What are the areas you need to surrender to him in? Ask him to fill your heart with a desire and a hunger for more of him. God is a consuming fire. Let your heart be set ablaze by being in prayer with him. By asking him for more of his presence and his power in your life. God wants us to really be on fire for him, a flame for him. Really passionate about him. Prophetically, I heard, I felt God say to me, I have given you everything you need to change the world and to build my church. You have my Holy Spirit, you have my gifts. You have my freedom and my anointing. You have the victory of the cross working in your life. Now walk in it. What more are you waiting for? Jesus has given us everything. Everything we need to build the kingdom of God. What are we waiting for, church? I challenge, I'm challenged with this as, as, as God asks me this question. What are you waiting for? I've done it all. Let's look at the, the letter E or E. Felt the Lord say, consider earthly things. Earthly things must become meaningless. If we're going to walk in the fullness of God's plans, earthly things must Become meaningless. what Greg was speaking about today, where is our treasure, what we sang about today, what is our treasure? Where is our treasure? If be honest before God, what are the things that, that you've prioritized in your life? Earthly things must become meaningless. Five years ago, some of you will know, I've spoken about this before, but I, I, I just need to do it again today. Five years ago, I went through a time of, of being broken, um, let down by a business partner, had huge debt to pay. He disappeared into thin earth and thin air, and I ended up with his debt. I ended up, Carla and I went overseas to work in England um, so we could send some pounds back every month to clear our debt. Uh, after a couple of years, we managed to do that. But I stood a chance of losing everything at one point in my life, five years ago. It's a long story of pain and suffering and of God's grace and mercy and His miraculously working power in my situation. It's the grace of God that turned it around. See, life's great when things are going well, when the bank account's looking good and healthy Couple of ran stashed away, life's great. We're walking in divine health, life's great. But you know when the chips are down, life gets tough. And when you will know when life gets bad, it can get very bad. But what do we do in those situations in our lives? It's not that God walks away. He's still there. I recall standing in church one day, singing that song with tears running down my eyes, down my face, out of my eyes, down my face. (laughs) (laughs) Men cry, you know. Men can cry. I thought I was a cowboy years ago in my life, but cowboys don't cry, I used to say. Cowboys don't cry. But I tell you what, this cowboy cries. In <laughs> not in front of my horses. Only Esther has horses, I think. So I've heard. Yeah, I recall standing in church one day singing this song: uh, "You give and you take away. Blessed be your name." I'm sure you understand the pain of working all your life in your 60s, and you're standing looking and it's, it's just disappearing in front of you, but yet finding in God, it's only his grace to stand and say, Lord, I came into this world with nothing, I'll leave it with nothing. I'm sure some of you have been there, but to sing that with honesty and truth in your heart, it it takes much pain, it takes much letting go of and walking away from these things. I want to read the song to you, it says, Blessed be your name, blessed be your name in the land that is plentiful, where your streams of abundance flow. Blessed be your name. And blessed be your name when I'm found in the desert place. Though I walk through the wilderness, blessed be your name. Every blessing you pour out, I'll turn back to praise. When the darkness closes in, Lord, still I will say, blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your glorious name. Blessed be your name when the sun's shining down on me, when the world's all it should be. Blessed be your name. Blessed be your name on the road marked with suffering. Though there's pain in the offering, blessed be your name. You give and you take away. My heart will choose to say, Lord, blessed be your name. You give and you take away. But my heart will choose to say, blessed be your name. Over a period of four years of thinking I was going to lose everything, then it's, instead of losing everything, God, but I was prepared to, I stopped fighting. And I said, Lord, I'm going to surrender to you. If this is really what you want. That everything I've accumulated is taken from me, then take it from me. I'll let it go. And it was when I got to that point that God turned my situation around. And miraculously, it's only, it's miraculous how he turned it around. Where without even having to go to court, my. I summons my ex-partner and he settled out of court and he's still sending me for the next couple of months some money that he was due to pay. God turned it around. It was in this place that I realized we need to hold things loosely in our hands. Our priority is Jesus to look in his eyes and look at his face. We hold earthly things loosely. And as we come to that place, what does he promise us? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. I found that such a truth in my life. As I put him first once again in my life, he turned it around. So what does the Holy Spirit want to teach us today? Paul says in Philippians chapter 3, verse 7. But whatever things were gained to me, those things I've counted as loss for the sake of Christ. So let's listen. What is he saying to us? In verse 8, Paul writes this. What is more, I consider everything a loss, Because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For whose sake I have lost all things, I consider them garbage, that I may gain Christ. Today, God calls each one of us to consider all our earthly things as garbage. Everything that he's given to us, we're going to leave it behind, It's all going to be left behind. What are we striving for? Striving for a whole book full of clients like Greg was doing. Striving to open branches. And I had at one point, we had 11 franchises around the country. I had 30 people selling my product around the country. Agents. What are we striving to build? It's all rubbish. When you, when, when you stand in a place of, of knowing that you're going to, thinking you're going to lose it all, you realize this is just rubbish. It's the things of God that he deposits in our heart. It's the, the things that, we, that he teaches us, how to walk in his ways. The truth that's in our heart, that's the treasure. That's the true gold and the silver that he gives to us. Verse nine, he says, and be found in him not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. Verse 10, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. Today, God wants us to to know Christ his power, and to grow in righteousness. Verse 11, Paul says, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead, not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead. I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Today, God calls us to consider our calling, his calling on our lives. He has taken hold of you for a purpose. Consider his purpose for your life. He calls us, each one of us today, to press in to Him and His purpose for our lives. Purpose is not to go out there and make millions. His purpose is to serve Him and to serve Him well. His purposes are to build His kingdom and to build it well. Purpose is to lay down our lives that Jesus may be reflected. In the world, his purpose is that we tell others of him and live for him, then all these things will be added unto us. We call to imitate Paul as he imitates Christ. Verse 15 says All of us then who are mature should take such a view of things, and if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. Join together and, following my example, brothers and sisters. And just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. Earthly things, church, must become meaningless. It's a shift of heart. It's a shift of attitude. His calling and his church is what we live for, his kingdom. Luke chapter 5, verses 10 to 11. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. They pulled their boats up on a shore, left everything, and followed him. They left everything to follow Jesus. Jesus. What do we need to leave behind today? What attitudes do we need to live leave behind? What fears? What idols? What possessions? What people? There was such a strong desire in the hearts of those those men Their hearts were ablaze. They had seen something in Jesus that they could not let go of. Their hearts were on fire. They were prepared in that place. They said, we will follow him. And they followed him.